Part two, chapter nine, section ninety nine of the life of Jesus critically examined by David Friedrich Strauss, translated by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part two, history of the public life of Jesus. Chapter nine, miracles of Jesus. Section ninety nine, cures on the Sabbath. Jesus, according to the Gospels, gave great scandal to the Jews by not seldom performing his curative miracles on the Sabbath. One example of this is common to the three synoptical writers, two are peculiar to Luke, and two to John. In the narrative common to the three synoptical writers, two cases of supposed desecration of the Sabbath are united. The plucking of the ears of corn by the disciples, Matthew chapter 12, verse 1, and parallel passages, and the cure of the man with the withered hand by Jesus, verse 9 and following, and parallel passages. After the conversation which was occasioned by the plucking of the corn, and which took place in the fields, the two first evangelists continue as if Jesus went from this scene immediately into the synagogue of the same place, to which no special designation is given, and there, on the occasion of the cure of the man with the withered hand, again held a dispute on the observance of the Sabbath. It is evident that these two histories were originally united only on account of the similarity in their tendency. Hence, it is to the credit of Luke that he has expressly separated them chronologically by the words, on another sabbath the further inquiry which narrative is here the most original we may dismiss with the observation that if the question which matthew puts into the mouth of the pharisees is it lawful to heal on the sabbath days is held up as a specimen of invented dialogue we may with equal justice characterize in the same way the question lent to jesus by the two intermediate evangelists, while their much-praised description of Jesus, calling to the man to stand forth in the midst, and then casting reproving glances around, may be accused of having the air of dramatic fiction. The narratives all agree in representing the affliction under which the patient labored as a kairzira, or exirameni, indefinite as this expression is it is treated too freely when it is understood as by paulus to imply only that the hand was injured by heat or even by a sprain according to venturini's supposition for when in order to determine the signification in which this term is used in the new testament we refer as it is proper to do to the old testament we find first kings chapter thirteen verse four a hand which on being stretched out ex anthi, described as incapable of being drawn back again so that we must understand a lameness and rigidity of the hand and on a comparison of mark chapter nine verse eighteen where the expression to be withered or wasted away is applied to an epileptic a drying up and shrinking of that member. Now, from the narrative before us, 
a very plausible argument may be drawn in favour of the supposition that jesus employed natural means in the treatment of this and other diseases only such cures it is said were prohibited on the sabbath as were attended with any kind of labour thus if the pharisees as it is here said expected jesus to transgress the sabbatical laws by effecting a cure they must have known that he was not accustomed to cure by his mere word but by medicaments and surgical operations as however a cure merely by means of a conjuration otherwise lawful was forbidden on the sabbath a fact which paulus himself elsewhere adduces as moreover there was a controversy between the schools of hillel and shammai whether it were permitted even to administer consolation to the sick on the sabbath and as again according to an observation of paulus the more ancient rabbins were stricter on the point of sabbatical observance than those whose writings on this subject have come down to us so the cures of jesus even supposing that he used no natural means might by captious pharisees be brought under the category of violations of the sabbath the principal objection to the rationalistic explanation namely the silence of the evangelists as to the natural means paulus believes to be obviated in the present case by conceiving the scene thus at that time and in the synagogue there was indeed no application of such means jesus merely caused the hand to be shown to him that he might see how far the remedies hitherto prescribed by him which remedies however are still a bare assumption had been serviceable and he then found that it was completely cured for the expression used by all the narrators implies a cure completed previously not one suddenly effected in the passing moment it is true that the context seems to require this interpretation since the outstretching of the hand prior to the cure would appear to be as little possible as in first kings chapter thirteen verse four the act of drawing it back nevertheless the evangelists give us only the word of jesus as the source of the cure not natural means which are the gratuitous addition of expositors decisive evidence alike for the necessity of viewing this as a miraculous cure and for the possibility of explaining the origin of the anecdote is to be obtained by a closer examination of the old testament narrative already mentioned first kings chapter thirteen verse one and following a prophet out of judah threatened jeroboam while offering incense on his idolatrous altar with the destruction of the altar and the overthrow of his false worship the king with outstretched hand commanded that this prophet of evil should be seized when suddenly his hand dried up so that he could not draw it again towards him and the altar was rent on the entreaty of the king however the prophet besought jehovah for the restoration of the hand and its full use was again granted 
Paulus also refers to this narrative in the same connection, but only for the purpose of applying to it his natural method of explanation. He observes that Jeroboam's anger may have produced a transient convulsive rigidity of the muscles, and so forth, in the hand just stretched out with such impetuosity. But who does not see that we have here a legend designed to glorify the monotheistic order of the prophets, and to hold up the infamy of Israelitish idolatry in the person of its founder, Jeroboam? The man of God denounces on the idolatrous altar quick and miraculous destruction. The idolatrous king impiously stretches forth his hand against the man of God. The hand is paralyzed. The idolatrous altar falls asunder into the dust. And only on the intercession of the prophet is the king restored. Who can argue about the miraculous and the natural in what is so evidently a mythos? And who can fail to perceive in our evangelical narrative an imitation of this Old Testament legend, except that agreeably to the spirit of Christianity, the withering of the hand appears not as a retributive miracle, but as a natural disease, and only its cure is ascribed to Jesus. Whence also the outstretching of the hand is not, as in the case of Jeroboam, the criminal cause of the infliction, continued as a punishment, and the drawing of it back again a sign of cure, but, on the contrary, the hand which had previously been drawn inwards, owing to disease, can, after the completion of the cure, be again extended. That, in other instances, about that period, the power of working cures of this kind was, in the East, ascribed to the favorites of the gods, may be seen from a narrative already adduced, in which, together with the cure of blindness, the restoration of a diseased hand is attributed to Vespasian. But this curative miracle does not appear independently and as an object by itself. The history of it hinges on the fact that the cure was wrought on the Sabbath, and the point of the whole lies in the words by which Jesus vindicates his activity in healing on the Sabbath against the Pharisees. In Luke and Mark, this defense consists in the question, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days, or to do evil, to save life, or to destroy it? In Matthew, in a part of this question, together with the aphorism on saving the sheep which might fall into the pit on the Sabbath, Luke, who has not this saying on the present occasion, places it, varied by the substitution of an ass or an ox for sheep, and of well or pit for ditch, in connection with the cure of a man who had the dropsy, chapter 14, verse 5, a narrative which has in general a striking similarity to the one under consideration. Jesus takes food in the house of one of the chief Pharisees, where, as in the other instance in the synagogue, he is watched. Here, Eson, paratir um enoi, 
there paret ir un. A dropsical person is present, as there a man with a withered hand. In the synagogue, according to Matthew, the Pharisees ask Jesus, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days? According to Mark and Luke, Jesus asks them whether it be lawful to save a life, etc. So here he asks them, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Whereupon, in both histories, the interrogated parties are silent. In that of the withered hand, Mark, oide es iupon, in that of the dropsical patient, Luke, oide hes ukasan. Lastly, in both histories, we have the saying about the animal fallen into a pit, in the one as an epilogue to the cure, in the other, that of Matthew, as a prologue. A natural explanation, which has not been left untried even to this cure of the dropsy, seems more than usually a vain labor, where, as in this case, we have before us no particular narrative, resting on its own historical basis, but a mere variation on the theme of the Sabbath cures, and the text on the endangered domestic animal, which might come to one, Matthew, in connection with the cure of a withered hand, to another, Luke, with the cure of a dropsical patient, and to a third in a different connection still. For there is yet a third story of a miraculous cure in which a similar saying is associated. Luke, namely, narrates, chapter 13, verse 10 and following, the cure of a woman bowed down by demoniacal influence, as having been performed by Jesus on the Sabbath, when, to the indignant remonstrance of the ruler of the synagogue, Jesus replies by asking, Whether everyone does not loose his ox or ass from the stall on the Sabbath, and lead him away to watering? a question which is undeniably a variation of the one given above. So entirely identical does this history appear with the one last named, that Schleiermacher comes to this conclusion. Since in the second there is no reference to the first, and since, consequently, the repetition is not excused by confession, the two passages of Luke chapter 13 verse 10 and chapter 14 verse 5 cannot have been written one after the other by the same author thus we have here not three different incidents but only three different frames in which the legend has preserved the memorable and thoroughly popular aphorism on the domestic animal to be rescued or tended on the sabbath yet unless we would deny to jesus so original and appropriate an argument there must lie at the foundation a cure of some kind actually performed by him on the sabbath not however a miraculous one we have seen that luke unites the saying with the cure of the demoniacal patient now it might have been uttered by jesus on the occasion of one of those cures of demoniacs of which under certain limitations we have admitted the natural possibility. Or, when Jesus, in cases of illness among his followers, applied the usual medicaments without regard to the Sabbath, 
he may have found this appeal to the practical sense of men needful for his vindication or lastly if there be some truth in the opinion of rationalistic commentators that jesus according to the oriental and more particularly the essene custom occupied himself with the cure of the body as well as of the soul he may when complying with a summons to the former work on the sabbath have had occasion for such an apology but in adopting this last supposition we must not with these commentators seek in the particular supernatural cures which the gospels narrate the natural reality on the contrary we must admit that this is totally lost to us and that the supernatural has usurped its place further it cannot have been cures in general with which that saying of jesus was connected but any service performed by him or his disciples which might be regarded as a rescuing or preservation of life and which was accompanied by external labor might in his position with respect to the pharisaic party furnish an occasion for such a defence of the two cures on the sabbath narrated in the fourth gospel one has already been considered with the cures of the blind the other chapter five verse one and following might have been numbered among the cures of paralytics but as the patient is not so designated it was admissible to reserve it for our present head in the porches of the pool of bethesda in jerusalem jesus found a man who as it subsequently appears had been lame for thirty-eight years this sufferer he enables by a word to stand up and carry home his bed but as it was the sabbath he thus draws down on himself the hostility of the jewish hierarchy wollstone and many later writers have thought to get clear of this history in a singular manner by the supposition that jesus here did not cure a real sufferer but merely unmasked a hypocrite the sole reason which can with any plausibility be urged in favour of this notion is that the cured man points out jesus to his enemies as the one who had commanded him to carry his bed on the sabbath verse fifteen compare with verse eleven and following a circumstance which is only to be explained on the ground that jesus had enjoined what was unwelcome but that notification to the pharisees might equally be given either with a friendly intention as in the case of the man born blind john chapter nine verses eleven and twenty five or at least with the innocent one of devolving the defence of the alleged violation of the sabbath on a stronger than himself the evangelist at least gives it as his opinion that the man was really afflicted and suffered from a wearisome disease when he describes him as having had an infirmity thirty-eight years verse five for the forced interpretation once put on this passage by paulus referring the thirty-eight years to the man's age and not to the duration of his disease he has not even himself ventured to reproduce on this view of the incident 
it is also impossible to explain what jesus says to the cured man on a subsequent meeting verse fourteen behold thou art made whole sin no more lest a worse thing come unto thee even paulus is compelled by these words to admit that the man had a real infirmity though only a trifling one in other words he is compelled to admit the inadequacy of the idea on which his explanation of the incident is based, so that here again we retain a miracle, and that not of the smallest. In relation to the historical credibility of the narrative, it may certainly be held remarkable that so important a sanative institution as Bethesda is described to be by John, is not mentioned either by Josephus or the Rabbins, especially if the popular belief connected a miraculous cure with this pool. But this affords nothing decisive. It is true that in the description of the pool there lies a fabulous popular notion, which appears also to have been received by the writer. For even if verse 4 be spurious, something similar is contained in the words kinesis tu hudatos verse three and tarakthi verse seven but this proves nothing against the truth of the narrative since even an eyewitness and a disciple of jesus may have shared a vulgar error to make credible however such a fact as that a man who had been lame eight and thirty years so that he was unable to walk and completely bedridden should have been perfectly cured by a word the supposition of psychological influence will not suffice for the man had no knowledge whatever of jesus verse thirteen nor will any physical analogy such as magnetism and the like serve the purpose but if such a result really happened we must exalt that by which it happened above all the limits of the human and the natural on the other hand it ought never to have been thought a difficulty that from among the multitude of the infirm waiting in the porches of the pool jesus selected one only as the object of his curative power since the cure of him whose sufferings had been of the longest duration was not only particularly adapted but also sufficient to glorify the miraculous power of the messiah nevertheless it is this very trait which suggests a suspicion that the narrative has a mythical character on a great theatre of disease crowded with all kinds of sufferers jesus the exalted and miraculously gifted physician appears and selects the one who is afflicted with the most obstinate malady that by his restoration he may present the most brilliant proof of his miraculous power we have already remarked that the fourth gospel instead of extending the curative agency of jesus over large masses and to a great variety of diseases as the synoptical gospels do concentrates it on a few cases which proportionately gain in intensity thus here in the narrative of the cure of a man who had been lame thirty-eight years 
it has far surpassed all the synoptical accounts of cures performed on persons with diseased limbs among whom the longest sufferer is described in luke chapter thirteen verse eleven only as a woman who had had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years without doubt the fourth evangelist had received some intimation though as we have gathered from other parts of his history it was far from precise of cures of this nature performed by jesus especially of that wrought on the paralytic matthew chapter nine verse two and following and parallel passages for the address to the patient and the result of the cure are in this narrative in john almost verbally the same as in that case especially according to mark's account there is even a vestige in this history of john of the circumstance that in the synoptical narrative the cure appears in the light of a forgiveness of sins for as jesus in the latter consoles the patient before the cure with the assurance thy sins are forgiven thee so in the former he warns them after the cure in the words sin no more etc for the rest this highly embellished history of a miraculous cure was represented as happening on the sabbath probably because the command to take up the bed which it contained appeared the most suitable occasion for the reproach of violating the sabbath end of section ninety nine